Good morning, everyone. Everyone on site and online joining us uh, this Sunday morning for our worship service. All right, it's wonderful to have all of you joining us here, you know, today, you know, wherever you are. Before we start anything, may I invite those online and on site, you know, to greet one another, right, with peace and love by turning around to, to people around you, right, behind, side, far away, for a wave, a wink, and smiles in your eyes, all right? And for those online, you know, wish each other peace, love, you know, and joy, and shalom. You know, like you can just send a little heart. You know, a word of kindness goes a long way to encourage the heart. Right? In this season, right, we are now in a part two of our sermon, uh, of our sermon for Parable of the Sower in the Becoming series. Now, I'm not, I, I, I'm not sure whether you're going to remember, so please uh, try to recall if you have joined us, joined us last week, right? You know, maybe you want to recall your, activate your memory. On what you what what uh, you remember about was what was being shared in the sermon uh, last 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 week, all right. So I think it's a word in season that we all need, because sometimes we feel so barren, right? Uh, living two years of almost coming to two years of with this COVID situation, and sometimes we feel this dryness. We are like in this valley of dryness and say, yeah. So we can start traveling a little bit now, but there are restrictions here and there, and sometimes rules can be com- confusing. All right, and it is very disruptive to life. However, the Lord invites you to have peace, invites you to come into a space of peace and love and patience this Sunday morning. We prepare ourselves to encounter our God, to worship, to commune with Him and one another, with God and one another. So let us, res- uh, let us prepare our hearts by responding to the call to worship. For those who are on site, may I invite all of you to stand if you are willing and able. Drawn by God's presence. We gather. Inspired by God's spirit. We we worship. worship. Empowered by God's grace. We we live. live. We are community. Embraced by the mystery of God's love for all creation. We are a community that looks for the light of Christ. The light that shines in every time, every place, and every life. Within this dynamic community, we foster connections and experiences that bring meaning to life and help us face the issues of the day. Together, we strive to live with loving hearts, open minds, and hands extended to all. Welcome home. Amen. So my siblings and friends, if you are willing and able, you may remain standing or take a seat because now, due to the restrictions, we are still not able to sing out loud. But I invite you to meditate upon the words of, of, of the Lord, what is being sung, and the blessings that we have received in our life. You may remain standing or take a seat at any time if you like. Uh, if you, if you right? Now we hand over, to, uh, we, now we will join the worship uh, team in, in, in worshipping and encountering our God. Good morning church, let's put our hands together and sing praises to our God. Our God is faithful to us. Amen.
Lord, our God and King. Your love endures forever. For you are good, you're above all things. Your love endures forever. Sing praise, sing praise with a mighty, with a mighty hand and outstretched arm. Your love endures forever for the, for the life that's been reborn. Your love endures forever. Sing praise, sing praise, and we sing praise. Sing praise, sing praise forever.
You knew my heart before I was made. The world began, you spoke it to life. The spark of love you place in my heart, and I will praise you for all my days and I will love you with all my heart I will praise you for all my days and I will love you with all my Break walls so that you 
based on the model prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. Let us pray. Our Father, Mother, loving Parent, you are holy and present. We direct our attention to you in breath and stillness. Our world is broken. The ongoing toll of the pandemic includes lives lost and a general sense of anxiety and isolation. There's economic instability in Afghanistan, mistreatment of Haitian refugees in the US, genocide in the Tigray region, floods in India, military posturing of North Korea, and closer to home, the loneliness and poverty of many elderly and the poor living conditions of migrant workers kept largely out of sight. Jesus, you are the least among humanity. You are in all these places, crying out for us to respond, sear our consciences. We need you to move in us to heal and make things right, and on your terms, not ours. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us what we need to serve and enjoy life as your beloved children, our daily bread. Your kindness leads us to repentance so that we can acknowledge our guilt 
without shame. Forgive our sins. As your people, we do not sin less, but as we forgive each other, we diffuse the power of sin. Having been forgiven much, move us to forgive those who sin against us. Some of the things we desire are not healthy or godly. No matter how much we consume, we never feel satisfied. We sabotage ourselves. Protect us from harm from outside and within. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For we are your children, brought to life by your love and possessing infinite worth. Yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. grown cold there your love will unfold as you open my eyes to the work of your hand when I'm blind to my way there your spirit will pray as you open my eyes to the work of your hand as you open my eyes to the world of your hand, oceans will part, nations come at the whisper of your Come at the whisper. 
open my eyes to the work of your hand. Jesus, open my eyes to the work of your hand. Oceans will part, nations come at the whisper of your Church. My name is Gary, and today we're going to be continuing with the second part of our sermon series on becoming. And as we go into the Word this morning, would you join me in a word of prayer? Let us pray. Dear God, we thank you so much for your presence in our lives and in the life of this church. Jesus, this is your church, your body. We thank you for your grace, your faithfulness, and for holding us together as a community, especially the past two years. You say that whatever you plant, no one can pluck up. God, I thank you for the leaders here who have weathered the storm of the pandemic. And God, I thank you for the leaders who continue to weather the storm. Thank you that you have not just sustained us to go through the pandemic, but indeed for the places in our lives and in the relationships and ministries that have actually, gone, have actually grown in and through the storm. We thank you for the knowledge that at the end of the day, that all things, all things, God, work together for your purposes and for our good because we believe that you love us and call us according to your purpose. And so, God, as we approach the end of this year and prepare for the next Thank you that we are part of your plans and that your desire is for us to have clarity of vision and understand the future that you have for each and every one of us and for this ministry. So God, as we gather around your word this morning, we ask you once again to touch our eyes to see, our ears to hear, and our hearts to understand. Feed us and challenge us with the wisdom and instruction of your word. We thank you in advance, God, for the seeds of the kingdom that you're sowing in our lives and how you continue to nurture our hearts and our minds. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen, church. So today we're going to continue to build on last week's sermon 
of the parable of the sower that we started together. If you missed last week's sermon, I really do encourage you to catch it online. But like Jimmy, like Jimmy asked us at the beginning of the sermon, if you listened in, I hope you took some notes. Because I'd like to begin our time together by asking you to reflect and share what you remembered or took away from that sermon. So if you're joining us live, you can submit your responses anonymously by going to menti.com and entering this code 24382456. Menti has been a great way that we can all build today's sermon together and you can have your voice heard. So while you're entering your responses, here are my three things that I took away that I think is very foundational for me. And I'd like to share that with you. The first one is that God sows the word of the kingdom of God extravagantly, regardless of the condition of the soil. And so we learned last week that the soil represents the hearts of all humanity, including your heart and my heart. I was reflecting on what are the essentials of this word of the kingdom that's being sown in our hearts. For me, you know, I like to break it down and simplify it so I can remember it. But it comes down to three, I think, very important key attributes of God that I think that are foundational to the gospel message. That God is love, that God is life, and that God is light. Love, life, and light. And that, for me, encapsulates the gospel message and the word of the kingdom. And so God sows this word of the kingdom into our lives. And likewise, secondly, the thing that I remember is that we are called to also sow generously into the lives of other people. Pauline last week reminded us that we need to pay attention to what we are sowing. Do our lives speak and bear witness to this kingdom in reflection of the sower? Are we sowing love, life and light in the life of others? Or are we not bearing witness or reflecting accurately who the sower is if we are sowing something else? And finally, what we sow depends on the condition of our own soil. Are we hard ground or in a rocky place? Or have other priorities that preoccupy us? Or are we indeed nurturing good soil that will bear a harvest in due season? Because we cannot sow to others what we have not yet received, not yet understood, and not yet lived out. So let us look at your responses that you have shared. Some of you remember that not to judge other people's soil, and that the gospel is according to you. And regardless of what kind of soil and our heart states are, we were all are going to benefit from God's word of the kingdom. And we should change our perspective. With this change of perspective, we can focus on others instead of focusing on ourselves. And the focus is on the extravagance of the sower and not trying to judge the soil and trying to correlate it to ourselves and the types of people. Amen. Thank you all for your contributions. Today, we're going to continue to build on this with the next parable that follows right after the parable of the sower. And it's called the parable of the weeds. 
Many of us are familiar with the parable of the sower, but how many of us have actually looked at this next parable? Let's read the parable together as well as what Jesus shared as the explanation. So first, we're going to go into the parable, and I'm going to be reading it from the inclusive version of the Bible. And it reads, Jesus presented another parable to those gathered. The kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who sowed good seed in a field. While everyone was asleep, an enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and then made off. When the crop began to mature and yield grain, the weeds became evident as well. The farmer's workers came and asked, Did you not sow good seed in your field? Where are the weeds coming from? The farmer replied, I see an enemy's hand in this. They in turn asked, Do you want us to go out and pull them up? No, replied the farmer. If you go and pull up the weeds, you might take the wheat along with them. Let them grow together until the harvest. Then at harvest time, I will order the harvesters first to collect the weeds and bundle them up to burn, then to gather the wheat into my barn. And now we're going to read from verse 36, Jesus' explanation of the parable. Then Jesus left the crowd and went into the house. The disciples also came in and said, Explain to us the parable about the weeds in the field. Jesus answered, the farmer sowing the good seed is the chosen one. The field is the world, and the good seed, the citizens of the kingdom. The weeds are the followers of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is at the end of the world, while the harvesters are the angels. Just as weeds are collected and burned, so it will be at the end of the age. The chosen one will send the angels who will weed out the kingdom of everything that causes sin and all who act lawlessly. So this parable is an important second part to the parable of the sower, but we never ever talk about it. Jesus preached this to the crowd right after the parable of the sower, and we're going to look at how this parable is connected and built on the previous one. There are some similarities, but also important differences that we will get into. In the parable of the weeds, we see like in the previous parable that there is a good sower who goes to sow good seed. But there are also some very important differences here. The first difference is that the seed is no longer the word of the kingdom of God, like in the previous parable. But instead, now the seed refers to the disciples who are carrying the word into the world. That's the first very important big difference. Then the second one is that there's a presence of another sower, a bad sower that sows bad seed. And so the good seed grows to become wheat, and the bad seed in the parable grows to become weeds. And in Jesus' explanation of the parable, the good sower is... Jesus, and the bad sower is the devil. And the good seed are those that follow Jesus, and the bad seed are those that follow the evil one. So before we go further, 
I think it's really important that we pause and engage what Jesus is saying here. Because the literal reading of Scripture is clear that there are two kinds of people being sown into the world. Those that follow God and those that follow the devil. So in order for us to move forward from here, it is so important to first look and understand about the devil and his followers. So let me use this opportunity to ask you, I bet you've never been asked this question before, but who or what do you think is the devil? And to just help narrow the responses, because there could be very varied type of responses, I put four categories or four choices up for you to choose from. Is the devil a powerful evil being? Is it a fallen angel? Is it external powers and principalities? Or something else, or you're not quite sure, you don't know? So, we'll give a moment for the responses to come in. But it's really, really interesting already, as you can see, the responses as they come in, that everybody is split on what the devil is or who the devil is, of almost equal of all of them. And while we let the answers come in, I want to let you in on a secret. The answer is that the devil is all of them, but at the same time, maybe none of them at all. So we're going to talk about the theology of the devil for a moment. So let me explain. The first three choices, being a powerful evil being, a fallen angel, and powers and principalities, can actually all be found in the Bible. And the reason for that is because the understanding of the devil has actually evolved in Scripture and over time. This is very important for us to understand because this is foundational to understanding what Jesus was talking about. You see, in the Old Testament and in early Judaism, the ancient Jews did not believe there was just one God. There were actually other gods, like the God of Egypt and the God of Moab. But Yahweh, the God of Israel, was above all other gods. And in the Old Testament and in other writings from that time, we actually find other evil beings like Mestema and Belial. And then in the book of Job, some of us have recognized that we meet this character called Satan, or rather, the Satan, which is actually not the name of a being like Mastama or Belial, but it's actually a description of the character of that being. The Satan literally means the accuser or the adversary. And in the book of Numbers, people connected the dots and the Satan is actually revealed as none other than an angel of God. Anyone heard of the name Lucifer? It's a very popular name for the, the devil as well, right? No, I'm actually not referring to the Netflix TV series that's very popular on right now. But some of us know that in the early translations of the book of Isaiah, this name Lucifer supposedly belongs to a fallen angel of God before he, before he fell and became Satan. But actually, the name belongs to a Babylonian king who fell because of his pride, but somehow he gets co-opted into this idea of being the same angel of God before his fall. 
people look at one passage here and similarities there and connect the dots automatically. And so while Judaism evolved to believe that God was not just the one true God, but actually the one and only God, it was also important that this continued presence of the devil or an anti-God really also helped the Jews to deal with all of the misery that they were going through and experiencing. You see, since God was good and they understand God as good, God needed to have a powerful arch enemy. And so we begin to see this term for the devil starting to appear, the word devil, which is actually comes from the Greek word diabolos, which also is translated and means the accuser or the adversary. So when we are in the New Testament and this parable of Matthew chapter 13 is written, the dominant understanding of the time was that there was a struggle in the heavenly realms between God, the good God, and evil. And so we have God on one side who is good, and the accuser, the diabolos on the other side, the devil, who has been given the role to play of everything that is evil. And the struggle that's happening in the heavenly realms is then projected into all of the good and evil that is seen in the world. So, if you were good, you followed God and represented good. Otherwise, you followed the powers and principalities that were under the control of the devil and that represented evil. Do you see how that dominant thinking was translated into the words of the parable? Because at that time, there were two very neat groups, the followers of God and the followers of the devil, the sheep and the goats. And so it is critical that we understand that Jesus was telling this parable using the language and current understanding of that time to be able to relate it to the people there. But you know, since the time of the Gospels, we continue to see that there is an con ongoing and continual evolution in the understanding of evil and first being influenced by Greek culture. The Greeks came out with this idea that the mind and the body operates separately. There's this duality. The mind is superior and the flesh is weaker and could be under other influences. And so we see, you know, the people like the Apostle Paul wrestling with this duality of good and evil in his own life, saying things like, I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. And then we move forward into the Middle Ages, and the Catholic Church continued this evolution of understanding of the devil, that because God is good and God created everything, the devil had to initially be good when he was created because God creates all things that are good. So how did the devil become bad? Well, he made himself bad. He chose to be bad out of his own free will. And so poor Lucifer gets further elevated into the spotlight. And he also gets a makeover in the 12th century as well and gets the horns of a goat, the pitchfork, which actually refers to the winnowing fork of the, the threshing field and, and was given actually Poseidon's trident uh, and a tail. And that all happened in the 12th century. Modern science has now given us new lenses that we can use to describe the devil, this accuser. We know today that all of us carries mixed motivations. We are both wheat 
and weed. We both have this within us. And we have this farmer's field within each one of us containing both the wheat and the weed. And where does this come from? Actually, it might literally come from the way that we are wired. Maybe the devil is not a being out there opposing God and influencing you to be evil. But what we do is a response that comes from a very primal biological response from a part of the brain called the amygdala, which was meant to protect us. And when this gets activated, just like in all animals, it's because we are in fear. And it gives us the response of the very basic fight, flight, or freeze when we get into a situation of danger. Fight, flight, or freeze. Could the devil not be something out there tormenting us to be bad, but instead this fear response within us which rules us on how we act? And maybe today we're not trying to avoid physical harm of getting eaten by a lion, but we are reacting to situations where there could be a fear of loss, a fear of death, or a fear of lack. Or what in Singapore we like to call in our, couch, in our culture, kiasu, kiasi, and kiabo. That's the amygdala at work. That's the devil. And these potential accusers and adversaries rule us from that part of the brain over the part of the brain where love, life, and light comes from. What if evil is when we don't know or that when we forget that we are each a child of God? When we are forget or don't know that we are made in the image of God and we each have the kingdom of God that has been sown into us to be love, life, and light to other people. Could evil be anything then that gives our fear responses and gives in to them and causes us to then live in opposition with the word of the kingdom of God? I know this deconstruction of the devil is a lot to take in, huh? but it's important that we hold these thoughts as we look at the language of, that Jesus used in the parable so that we can understand how to apply the parable and understand it then and for us today. So what was Jesus saying to his followers then and also to us today in this parable? I think it's three things. The first one is that it is a word to comfort and encourage his followers. A word to comfort and encourage his followers. Matthew chapter 13 verse 27 says, The farmer's workers came in and asked, did you not sow good seed in your field? Where are these weeds coming from? And the farmer replied, I see an enemy's hand in this. You see, the parable is a word of comfort to the followers of Jesus who were experiencing weed-like opposition to Jesus' ministry. These were the religious authorities of that time who criticized, who challenged, and were hostile to Jesus' ministry. Jesus is saying that the message of the kingdom of God is good. There's nothing wrong with the message, even though the very people who should be supporting it, the religious leaders of that time, were in opposition of it. 
Jesus here is empathizing and comforting the disciples, saying, I see an enemy's hand in this. It is not you, it's them. And you should expect this opposition. It doesn't mean that when you see the weeds, when you're being persecuted, that you're not on the right path. You are on the right path. Your call is good. Your commission is still to go into all the world to be love, light, and light. And that is good because you are good seed and you are being planted by the sower into the world. Jesus is saying to the disciples then, as He's saying to us now, that we need to continue to nurture the soil in our hearts, nurture our minds, and nurture the soil for those around us. Make sure that you don't get discouraged when things get rocky with persecution and resistance. You should expect it. So instead of flight, fight, or freeze, would you continue to instead to face the opposition instead? The second is that I believe it is a word to commend wisdom and restraint of his followers. A word to commend wisdom and restraint of his followers. Matthew chapter 13, verse 28. In turn, they asked, do you want us to go out and pull them up? No, the farmer replied. If you pull up the weeds, you might take the wheat along with them. Let them grow together and until the harvest, and then at the harvest time, I will order the harvesters first to collect the weeds and bundle them up to burn, then to gather the wheat into my barn. You see, the disciples often wanted to go ahead and clarify which is wheat, which is weed, and then get rid of it. And it was actually very difficult to identify because the weed that Jesus was referring to during that time in other scriptures, there was called tares or cheat wheat. And the reason it's called cheat wheat, uh, the modern name being the bearded darnel, is because as when they're growing up, as you can see from the picture there, they look exactly like wheat. It's impossible to tell them apart when they're growing up. But the difference is that while these weeds look like wheat, they are poisonous and their roots surround the roots of other plants and suck up all of their water and their nutrients. And they choke the other plants around them. They may look the same as wheat, with all the right form on the outside, but their motivation is to dominate for themselves, and they have got no value to anyone else. And Jesus likens this to those who follow the evil one the religious leaders of that time that oppressed the people, the ones that are motivated to maintain their power and privilege at the expense of other people. But instead of immediately reacting to identify, ha you are weed, and eradicate them, Jesus tells them, no, listen, be patient, exercise wisdom and discernment, and most importantly, don't spend your energy trying to identify and eradicate them. Focus on what you can control and you can influence. I'm calling you not to eradicate weed. I'm calling you to be carriers of the kingdom of God, to be witnesses, witnesses of love, life, and light. And just like the sower in the parable of the sower, 
it was not to det- uh, their job to determine who is in the kingdom and who is out of the kingdom, who is wheat and who is wheat, who is within and who is beyond God's attention. They are, their job is to be love, life, and light to all, to be generous, to be extravagant like the sower. So, instead of fighting, flighting, or freezing, would you instead focus on being love, light, and life generously to those around you? That's number two. And I think the third thing that then Jesus is saying is that it is a word to inspire hope that God will bring justice and redeem the world. To inspire hope that God will both bring justice and redeem the world. This picture of a mixture of weeds and wheat growing until harvest is also a call for the disciples to stay in the now to do what they're called to do, to bring love, light, and life. And to hold on and not do it with the understanding that they're going to do this without an outcome, that they have got, their hope is not in vain. There will be a future judgment and a redemption at the fulfillment of shalom, the restoration of all things to the way that they are intended. Matthew chapter 13 and 39 says, The harvest is at the end of the world, while the harvesters are the angels, and just as the weeds are collected and burned, so it will be at the end of the age. The chosen one will send the angels who will weed out the kingdom of everything that causes sin and all who act lawlessly. While we continue to look at the brokenness and the process of becoming to the fullness of shalom, it is so easy to give up because of the challenge, because our priorities are distracted, because we get tired. But God says, keep at it. Don't give up. Keep being love, life, and light. Keep nurturing your soil and keep nurturing the soil of those around you. Let the wheat and the weeds grow because I will take care of the weeds at the end of time. So, friends, instead of fighting, flighting, or freezing, would you have faith instead that God will take care of the final outcome at the fulfillment of all things? As we close our time together this morning, just as Jesus sows love, life, and light extravagantly into the world, regardless of the soil, Jesus commissions His disciples then, and all of us today, you and I, to do the same. And as we do this, we become more and more in the likeness of God, and Jesus encourages us on our journey of becoming, firstly, to be comforted and encouraged in the face of persecution and setbacks, the rocky ground of persecution. The second is to have wisdom and restraint and focus on the mission, on the thorny ground. And the third is to have faith that God will bring justice and redeem the world, the hard ground. And God wants us to be aware of how we are nurturing the soil of our hearts so that it becomes good ground for the word of the kingdom. It's the ground that we are dealing with in the season today 
hard ground where we are close to the word of the kingdom? Or is it rocky ground maybe, experiencing a lot of resistance and persecution? Or could it be thorny ground being choked with other priorities? Or is it good ground where love, life and light is flourishing and bearing a good harvest? I would like to invite you to take a moment to reflect on the state of your ground today. Is it rocky, thorny, hard, or good? And while you are sharing your responses, I want to share with you that for me, the past 18 months has been a season of languishing. It's been really tough. My ground has been rocky and thorny and hard. It's been a rocky season because of the setbacks that I've experienced over the last 18 months. People who have been close to me and have been ministry partners for me have left me or are no longer want to work together with me on some of my projects, like the mission project called Amplify, which some of you know about, to empower the development of inclusive churches in Asia, to build a you know, centers like FCC that stand for equity, inclusivity, and diversity. The travel restrictions that have also been brought on by the pandemic has not allowed me to travel for ministry. Whether it's being able to minister at other churches or spend time with other leaders who have gone before me and have inspired me. So it's been a season of a hard ground where the word hits and bounces right off the ground. And with the changes that we need to make as a result of the pandemic, my amygdala, my fear response was to work even harder so that at work, I don't lose out and I don't lose my job. The thorny ground, when other priorities choke the word of, the, of God. And just like you have shared in your responses, and thank you for sharing where you are, God is reminding me that in this coming season, my job is to care and nurture my own ground so that I can care and nurture the ground of other people. And I need to move my fear-based response of fight, flight, and freeze to one that is very intentionally based on face, focus, and faith in every situation. What about you? What is your story of struggle and of gratitude? I hope that you will reflect where you are and that you will share your story of where you are presently in the upcoming Advent season where we're going to this, this new series called Let Our Life Speak. And if you're in a good season where you have matured good ground for yourself, would you then help to nurture the ground for others and in this season, create space to listen to others with care and compassion and hold space for their stories and for their growth. As we close, please allow me to share this wonderful encouragement from the theologian Patrick J. Wilson who said, Jesus did not say that the kingdom was like a rock, fixed and solid and firm and unchanging. Jesus did not say that the kingdom was like a giant machine, that you put some things in and you get some things out. 
Jesus said it was like an enormous tree that grows out from a tiny seed. A tree so enormous that all the birds of the air can come and find shelter in its branches, even strange little ducks like you and me. He said that God was like a housewife who puts a smidgen, tiny bit of yeast, into three measures of flour, and that yeast yields its life into the whole batch of dough. That is the way the kingdom is, growing from the very beginning into all that God has intended. From the foundation of the world, the very first moment of creation, it is the kingdom, it is the kingdom that has been on God's mind. And God is infinitely patient as it grows. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Hallelujah. God, we thank you that the word of the kingdom is good news. It is the gospel. You, God, are love, life, and light. You have created each one of us in love. And you have given us the promise of abundant life. You are the light that guides our path. God, you are faithful. You are with us, you are for us, and you go before us and light our way. God, we thank you that this word has gone forth and has been given to everyone who has ears to hear it and hearts to receive it, that truly each one of us is your beloved creation made in your divine image. God, we are going through all different seasons. Help us to be aware when we are allowing our fear to rule our hearts. Help us to realize that what is going on around us is not caused by the work of a devil, but when humanity allows our fears to rule our hearts instead and live out our lives and that impact that it has on other people. God, in this season, we ask that you help illuminate the places in our lives where we have not allowed the word of your kingdom to take root and to flourish. God, we pray that your spirit in us will lead us back and guide us into all truth so that we can not just be aware of the ground of our hearts, but also, God, how we can nurture it in this season. God, we ask for your wisdom on how we can be your disciples that carry your good seed of the word of the kingdom into all of our relationships, into all that we do in the community and into the world that you have planted us. God, give us your strength and your wisdom when we face persecution to help us focus on the things that we can control and have faith that you see all things and that all things will work for good and your purposes in the world to restore all things. In Jesus' precious name we pray. And all of God's people declare, Amen. Thank you, church. Now we come to a time of communion. It's an opportunity to remember Jesus' love for us, to take in his life, um, as the bread of life, 
and to remember how Jesus came as light of the world, um, and it's a light that um, the darkness has not overcome. For those of you joining us from home, now would be a good time to prepare your own elements to represent the bread and the wine so that we can all celebrate together. We gather each Sunday at this table, even though at this time we are not all physically together. The table of God's feast transcends time and space because God's love transcends all boundaries. So this table recognizes no boundaries. Here at FCC, we celebrate an open table. This means that you do not have to, be, to meet any criteria. You do not have to be a member of FCC. You do not have to be baptized. You only need to recognize that God's grace is sufficient. When Jesus sat at tables and broke bread with the tax collectors, lawyers, rich elites, and poor peasants, he proclaimed that God's radical love and abiding presence know no bounds. Through these occasions of sharing food, every person experienced God and shared in God's kingdom. A kingdom, A kingdom where, where all, all are welcome, all are worthy, and all are invited. invited. A kingdom where lives are transformed, empowered, and the fruits of God's gentle justice bloom throughout creation. All people, including each of us, are invited to share in the sacred meal of celebration and be strengthened by the presence of God in this place. We remember that Jesus fed 5,000 hungry people with five loaves of bread and two fish. At this miraculous meal, there was such an abundance that everyone ate until they were full, and there were even 12 baskets of food left over. Holy God, we celebrate your abundant care and solidarity revealed in this meal. We remember that while sharing a meal with the Pharisees, Jesus welcomed a woman viewed as an outsider as the woman anointed his feet with oil, Jesus de de declared her dignity before everyone at the meal. Holy, Holy God, God, we, we celebrate, celebrate your gracious inclusiveness revealed in this, this meal. At these meals, Jesus and all his disciples resisted the divisions, injustice, and violence of society. They, they lived, lived out instead the kingdom, the kingdom of God, God, a place of love, justice, and mutuality. But we also recognize that not all people liked Jesus' ministry. For some people, it was scandalous. They said, they said look, a, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend and tax collectors and sinners. When his arrest seemed near, Jesus ate a meal in an upper room with the disciples. As he had done so many times before, he took bread, and after giving thanks to you, Holy God, he broke it and gave it to his disciples. This time saying, do this to remember me. Mm -hmm. 
After the meal, he shared the wine, gave thanks, and said, I will not drink from this cup again until I drink it with you in the kingdom of God. Now I invite the stewards to come and distribute the elements. Now, for those of you who are on site, just two reminders. Uh, first is to not reach out. to um, the, the stewards will, uh, will pass you the elements. And the second thing is to hold on to them so that we can partake of them together. Jesus was then unjustly killed by the systems of domination of his day. To some of his frightened disciples, it seemed that the bread symbolized his broken body and the wine, his blood. God, the kingdom of God, persisted and persists today through the many people who seek to be your resurrection community. Holy God, in the sharing of this bread and wine, we joyfully celebrate hope-inspiring ministry and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let us partake the elements together. Please join me as you're willing and able for the prayer of communion. Gracious God, may this meal be for us an Emmaus meal where we encounter your presence in the sharing of this food as the disciples did at their meal in Emmaus. May the sharing of this food be a taste of your kingdom, holy God, so we may be strengthened to be your joyful and hopeful disciples. 
and may, may we share in your kingdom of love, justice, and mutuality with those around us. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning and welcome once again, you know, um, for staying with us and uh, listening to the Word of God. Thank you, Gary, for the very encouraging preaching and the words really touched me very deeply. And uh, for Wendy, for leading us through the beautiful liturgy for the communion. So for those of you who are with us for a long time and those who are new joining us, welcome home. Alright, if you are new joining us, right, you know, you may be new to us and not sure who we are and what we do and what our mission is. We also like to know you. Uh, those who are joining us online and on-site, right? Please help us to get to know you and stay in touch with us by going to a welcome form at fcc.la slash welcome, alright? So get to know us and as you sign up, right, you may also choose and you will be invited and can choose to come for our newcomers meeting at the last Sunday of every month. So if you have more questions, right, beyond the form, you can send in an email um, to reach out to our church, uh, our pastors and our church worker at info at freecomchurch.org. Of course, for those of you who are lazy to type, right? Mm, convenience. Everybody knows how, to, knows how to scan a QR code. You can scan it from the screen and it will bring you to the same form. So, welcome once again to Free Community Church, where free stands for first realize everyone's equal. I am Jimmy, your service leader for today. And free stands for first realize everyone's equal, right? That brings us to an important point that I want to share about um, in our giving, all right? We continue our worship of God um, in our, uh, through our giving and our offering. So there are two um, buckets of uh, the funds that you can, do, uh, can give and offer to. One will be the general fund. It goes to the general expenses, the salaries, the operational uh, expenses of the church. And the other will be for the building fund. The building fund is purely for paying down the mortgage of the church so that we can have a physical space to continue to provide this uh, you know, a divine, uh, actual physical space for people who are seeking God, a safe space where all are welcome, all are included, and where we celebrate diversity. So, what about equal? You know, somebody also asked me, uh, first realize everyone's equal. Equal in what? Right? So often, we preach and we share about the word, the good news of the Lord, that we are all of equal worth and dignity as a person. But at the same time, through, as I reflect on the, the past two ser uh, the sermons from last week and today, we are also equal in one thing. As we are called the children of God, we also share the equal responsibility to be the sower and the seed of love, justice and mercy. So, your giving today, I... I don't want to preach about like, oh, we are a non-charity organization, you know, a non-profit organization, you know, like us give and so that we... No, today I want all of us to reflect very deeply in the so, the, our, our activity of sowing in our lives. Not just in terms of giving your offering, in terms of finances, but rather let us reflect if we are investing, if we are sowing the seeds, we are the sower and the seed at the same time, in terms of sharing our time, our talents, our words of kindness and encouragement to people around us, to even strangers who may be in need. 
So as you prepare, as uh, we are preparing to give, uh, as you are preparing to give, I'd like to share a scripture I was like um, doing my reflection. That's from John chapter 12, verse 24. It says, Very truly I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. So I have always encouraged, at least for myself, I encourage myself that my giving, not just in my finances, but in my personal time, my energy in terms of serving as a gauge of my uh, spiritual state of my, my state of um, my spiritual state because often I, I, I realize that when I'm going through a really low a down period in my spiritual life and personal life very often I am in a state of want I, I have friends who are in need and reach out wanting a word of encouragement I'll say I'm too tired I have a lot of works and projects and you know what I do? I tell myself I'm tired, I sit on the sofa, I read an e-book, I watch a YouTube, and three hours is gone. And I ask myself, am I giving myself an excuse because of my mentality? Because I've forgotten what I'm called to do, my responsibility to be the sower and the seed of love, mercy, and justice. So, I encourage all of us to examine our hearts. Please do not give, I think some may not like to hear this, but please don't give if you think that, oh, you know, I'm going to give this and I, oh, maybe I'm going to sow a seed and I will, I will reap a hundredfold, a tenth, no how many fold, and I will get things back. But rather, see this as you part- participating in God's glory and partnering with Him in the mission to realize shalom in this world. So, I will, for the prayer of thanksgiving, I'd like to use a psalm um, for to, um, from Psalm 126, a harvest of joy, as our sorry, a harvest of a harvest of joy. All right, for our prayer of thanksgiving and offering. Please pray with me. A song of essence, Psalm 126. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter, and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we rejoiced. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like the watercourses of Negev. May those who sow in tears reap with shouts of joy. Those who go out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, carrying their sheaves. May it be so, Lord. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. May I invite the stewards to come forward to take up the collection and offering. For those who are giving physically, you may raise up your hand. All right? And our uh, stewards will come around uh, so they can drop your offering. So if the message from the sermon has been very helpful to you and you find it beneficial, please like our, uh, our YouTube uh, video and then share it with friends who may, be, uh, may find it useful. So for our next part, we have just uh, two simple announcements. For announcement for, for this week, we have first, firstly... Last week, we were shouting out for 
um, our food drive for our trans, uh, tr uh, trans shelter. Uh, it's called the FCC T-March project. The good news would be, thank you everyone for your faithfulness and giving, you know, in the act of loving and giving to the uh, food drive. We have completed about 50% of the target of all the food items. All right? And now, the wonderful thing would be, right, we have a group buy option. So now you can say, sometimes you say that, oh, no, I like me, uh, here pain now, pain nowadays, uh, achy, and don't drive. So it's difficult for me to carry things to the, ch to the church. However, with the group buy option, you can now go to the, FC the FCC link that will be shared later, and you can indicate the items you know, um, that you would like to uh, give to. There's no minimum, all right? You can even just give a can of chicken hot dog or you know, uh, just a can of kaya or something. No, a, li a small little um, act of giving right, goes a long way because we are helping those, our brothers and sisters, right, who are in need, who have more lost their jobs, has left their family because of they wanting to be truly who they are. So I think we can uh, do our part in supporting and helping give life to them, help them to live life to the, to uh, live life for, uh, into flourish. All right. So once we uh, we have consolidated uh, the items, it will be delivered to the tea shelter. Next slide, please. The closing date will be on the thirty first of October, and then we will have a week of time to really purchase this item, and it will be sent down. Uh, uh, Wendy and Louis will make the arrangement to send it down to the tea shelter. So how you can help? Go to the link and also share this link, fcc.la/tmart. On the first part, right? If you're using your phone, you, the first part where you're scrolling, scrolling through, there will be instructions. And you scroll downwards, right? You'll see the items where you can indicate uh, the quantity that you would like to contribute. So if you have more questions, more inquiry, or even thinking of like how you can help. Uh, in long term, term, right, or even join the ministry, you know, please reach out to Wendy at nine two four eight nine five seven eight. So that's nine two four nine two four eight nine five seven eight, and we look forward to your active contribution. And also another thing, if you are joining a cell group, right, you can also you know group buy in cell group. You can just gather the orders from cell group members and then place orders as a cell group. All right. So for the next part. The very exciting thing that uh, Gary shared earlier would be the Advent series. So now I'd like to invite our Pastor Pauline to come and um, just share about what we will be doing for the Advent anthologies. Thanks, Jimmy. And um, some of you have heard about this uh, when I was sharing it last week. And also thank you, Gary, for you know, sharing about his own story and modelling what it means to actually share our stories. Um, you know, we've been talking a lot about what it means to grow together as a community. And it's been challenging, you know, for this past two years because some of us are online, some of us are on-site. We are not able to spend time together like we normally do. You know, we can't fellowship. We, it's hard for us to go for lunch together after service. And that's been very challenging, I think, as a community. And a lot of you have, have you know, um, reflected that need for growth and for growth together in community. And so I, I was thinking about what we can do together as we come to the end of the year, as we um, approach Christmas, as we go into the Advent season. And I thought that we could do a spiritual practice together in community. And that spiritual practice entails, one, reflecting on where you are in your life 
at the moment. Uh, perhaps you've been struggling, like what Gary shared. Perhaps it's been good for you and you're, and you're grateful. Perhaps there are many things that you want to share around the themes of love, peace, hope, joy, or any part of the Christmas story that resonates with you this year. Um, and so, one, reflect on that part of your story, write it down. We're going to get you into groups where you're going to be able to share parts of that story with one another. And then, another practice is to listen, to learn to listen with empathy, with compassion, and to encourage one another in this journey. All right? And then, that becomes our spiritual practice as a community. Okay? So, um, you notice that this is a multiple, multiple step <laughs> spiritual practice, right? Because it's meant to be fun. It's meant to hopefully build our relationships as well and to remind us of what God is doing in our lives. You know that it would have been hard for us to worship, right? In the same way, uh, it's hard for us to sing. Um, but there are many different ways to worship. And telling of our life, of our stories, of what God is doing in our lives, that is a way to worship and a way to witness as well. Remember the stained glass? So after you finish sharing about your stories in groups, and don't worry, we'll get you into groups. You can just send um, your name and uh, your request to info at freecomchurch.org. You'll be also doing this in your cell groups, so don't worry about that. Uh, this is also more for those people who feel like, oh no, but I don't really have a group at the moment. Uh, don't worry, we'll get you into groups, right? And we're going to be able to share together and to encourage one another. And after that, we want to invite you to express your story through writing and maybe your art on a towel. And so we're going to put it up there uh, in addition to what we have already from Easter. And we're going to see how our story is evolving. Our story of God in us. All right? And so that is my invitation to you this uh, coming Advent. Uh, my invitation to all of us to come together as a community to encourage one another. Okay? So if you're able and willing, uh, would you stand as you receive the benediction? Generous, loving, extravagant God. You see us, each one of us. You know us so intimately. You see how we are made. You even see the wheat and the wheat within us. And yet, you love us unconditionally, generously, wholly, fully, wholeheartedly. And so God sent us out that we may be people in the same way sowers like you, who would sow generously and extravagantly, and not judging what the soil or the, what other people may be thinking or feeling, but sowing because of who you are and because of who we are. Send us out, God, that we may be a people of light, love, and life in this world that so sorely needs it. So now go. And may the God of love, light, and life go with you always. Amen. So thank you so much for joining us for service this uh, Sunday. Uh, we're very happy to have all of you uh, here. And we, 